Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, second hour is here. Hot Mike with Huddy Withrow, Tuesday edition here at Outkick.com slash watch. Also on the social platform, search out Outkick there. Plus uh, YouTube post show. You can catch uh, clips there for all the shows at uh, the Outkick page on YouTube. Uh, follow us on Twitter as well. Just search out Outkick. I'm watching on Hot the uh, Outkick watch page right now. It's got a a little bit cleaner of a look than we've had recently. So some what does that mean? revamped looks going on on the website, and um, it looks different. I, I don't. I, it, that's hard for me to explain. I don't know. I'm not a tech wizard, Hudden. I'm just I saying know. that I when I go to up, it, so. I'll show it to you right here. Yeah, it just looks cleaner. There's not a that. lot of clutter at the top. Yeah, it's good. It's high def. There you go. You know, Outkick.com/slash/watch. Uh, I, I say it was on, but then I go and it's not. Yeah, uh, it looked like it was. It looked like it was during our commercial break. So. We're fingers crossed. Nope, there we are. Boom. Look at that. Look how good we oh, look. Oh, it looks great. You look yeah. great. Studio looks great. You Yeehaw, look amazing. Smoke. Same to you, Chad. Wonderful shirt Once today. again, yeah. Um, we went with like uh, different earth tones <laughs> on today's show without even discussing it. We both I mean, went like southwestern We're like, like uh, Moms and Kelsey here. We went to uh, Vegas, the desert, and we come back and <laughs> all we go is uh, uh, American southwest earth tones for the whole week. Yeah. That's what we're shooting for here. Chad, uh, the college football playoff and ESPN, they've agreed to a six-year extension, which is worth uh, around $1.3 billion per year. Um, this uh, through Andrew Marchand and uh, Nicole Auerbach. Stuart Mandel also contributed to this story. Um, so this is the network and the, the home of the 12-team playoff. This was up for, I believe, right of first refusal this year, where ESPN was going to have the college football playoff for the next two years anyway. And you've got the six-year extension that will now go through 2031 and the 32 season. Um, and, well, I think this is, well, brilliant on ESPN's part. You want this. But also, from the college football playoff, they also want things to sort itself out a bit. Right? And, Chad, I'm also thinking about this from the partnership element of what we've just seen with ESPN and the NFL. And then all of a sudden, the right about a, what, a week after that partnership was uh, announced, we see the the partnership between the media companies with Fox and with what Time Warner and ESPN. This is all going to be on the streaming platforms there too, and I bet that it also allows for much like the the NFL deal where streaming services can buy in and have an exclusive college football playoff game, not the rights to all of it but you have to buy in and air a specific game, for instance. And I wonder, too, how this, they spread this out with all the games moving forward. It's a huge win from the elite standpoint of product that you offer for your service. There's no doubt. Having the college football playoff is awesome. If you're ESPN, you get to still have that monopoly over the playoff, and you're not going to share the playoff with other networks. That part of it is a big win for Disney. I am curious how Disney as a company that is really struggling from their media standpoint, not from parks and all of that, but their media portion of this, they are hemorrhaging money on Disney+. Plus. ESPN losing a ton of money, laying people off left and right, and then signing this multi-billion dollar deal. I, I just wonder how the business of that looks. Because this is still kind of a zero proposition. You're trying to break even when you're spending this much on that. I don't think they're going to make a lot of money from this. It's great status standpoint, subscribers, keeping people engaged. You know you're going to have a ton of viewers for these events. All of that is really good, but I, I don't know the answer to this. I, I would just like to see what's the ripple effect at well, Disney of making this move, signing this contract, spending this money with all of their employees and other alternate programming 
that they may or may not have now. Well, they that they're not going to be able to afford, or they're going to kick to the curb. I don't know the specific number for Disney slash ESPN ABC, but if you combine all of the rights holders to the for the NFL specifically, NFL and college football playoff would be my top plus SEC Big Ten. Um, for the NFL, they get twelve billion dollars annually from everything pulled into one pool, right? All of the different networks combined. So that's ESPN, CBS, NBC, Fox, Amazon, YouTube, um, and and of, you've got uh, ESPN with massive two point seven billion. All of that combined is twelve billion. Combined on revenue is five billion to six billion dollars off of that. Um, that's according to front office sports. So you're saying 12 billion, those networks are paying combined. And then the 5 billion going back five to 6 billion yeah. off of ad sales, purely ad sales. So if you're, if you're an advertiser, you want DVR proof commercials because, it, and that's, that's the NFL. You're going to sit through a game and you're not going to, fa- you're not going to record it and try to fast forward like you would at your average show. Football is DVR proof at the highest level. And that would be the college football playoff as well. So if you're just looking for uh, con- not just content, but true eyeballs on the product, it's that. It's the, it, the next best thing is college football playoff to me. Um, and yeah, it, I just, what you're talking about there, that if I'm doing the math correctly, that's about a billion in losses if you divvied it up between the six or so networks and streamers that have it, sure, but that you, they're but losing on the mind, NFL. But I mean, the AS, ESPN may actually be turning a profit because they have over twenty games per season exclusive to them. Meanwhile, you have Amazon who's paying a billion for one game for nine million viewers or whatever it is. Yeah. So that you, you give and take on whatever platform they're they're pulling in, and the people that are now buying in, that the the companies that are not buying are paying more than than some of the rights holders that are having more of a, of a, a package per se. I just don't see any way they make money off paying this much to be the sole rights holder to the college football playoff. Maybe ESPN convinced me otherwise that they're losing money on this. It's great to have it. And I understand all the ancillary programming it provides and that, Hey, when you're on CBS and you have the NFL game of the week, it's going to up your 60 minutes ratings and your uh, fire country yeah. on Sunday night is going to get a boost and all that stuff that goes into it. But it's still, you're just trying to break even. Having the NFL raises all boats on your network. But having the college football playoff, how much of that does it do it for ESPN? Does it add subscribers? How much more revenue you're going to make in that? I would love to see a breakdown of specifically that payment to college football, the playoff, and how much they're spending and what they make back and how much they're losing and how many more layoffs are going to have to happen because of it. Well, they also, uh, according to this report, they they will have the ability to sub-license games, but it's up to Disney and ESPN's discretion. So they can sell these games to other networks. That'd be smart of them to do. Well, and, but they own now. They own it now. Yeah. Moving forward. And they, they can now put a premium price tag on one exclusive game for Netflix. Well, for and now that they're having a, a collaboration with Fox and you know Time Warner, they could work out a deal where one of those gets a game or two, right? Also, that they could lease the game or sell it to them to air on one of their packages. This, this contract extension now matches the same year that CBS and TNT's contract with the college basketball tournament expires. It now it now links up there as well. You think that's by coincidence, or do you think that's the pairing that they need to jump into a Super conference. I'm just going to miss having to find true TV for the first time all year come March in March Madness. Well, you, that, well, that's a tradition. Well, you and I. <laughs> I move over, Jim Nance. It's not the Masters. A tradition unlike any other is the two or three weeks before the Masters, everyone panicking to find where true TV is on their network. That That's a tradition I'm going to I'm gonna just absolutely miss once they lose out on the college basketball tournament, which is probably going to happen. So they were paying, Chad, an average of $608 million per year, ESPN. And that runs through the next two years. That includes the semis, the championship game, and then the New Year's Six Bowls is what they owned. Um, and this extension now gives them all of the 12, the 12 team play, even the on-campus games, plus the, the same New Year's Six Bowls. So I guess that's included in all of that. Well, they may come back and say this is actually what we make money off of with bowl games and with a college football playoff and that it's at, we're going to show you how we're going to turn a profit 
or easily maybe, break even on it. Maybe that's the case. I, I and, just don't understand how. And maybe it doesn't matter what the, what I'm about to say because it is just about the tournament next. But they now own every championship in college other than the college basketball tournament for the next duration of this extension is what it guarantees. I think it is an easy fit for ESPN to carry the college basketball. They, they carry the women's tournament now. They'd have to do something with that. Or actually, no, that's on alternate days. Yeah. So they could theoretically have all of it. No, because that'll start on a Saturday. Yeah, they'd have to have one or the other because they do coincide on the same day at times. Um, but with the ES, ESPN, ESPN2, um, SEC Network, ACC Network, all the properties they own on television, plus ESPN Plus and whatever package they yeah. have there, uh, it a, would be an easy fit for them to carry multiple games at once during the NCAA tournament. Yes, and I mean, it's also, I mean, they're also profiting if they get more people to buy into this new direct-to-subscriber idea that they have or this partnership with the app that they're going to charge, what, 50 to $60 per month is what Front Office Sports was speculating? I mean, if you have all of the football properties, you're more than likely doing that uh, at that rate for, for the, the, the content that you, that you have. Um, Chad, the, the latest on Tennessee and Virginia we're going to get to in about um, 15 minutes with Trey Wallace, who attended the hearing today that lasted less than 90 minutes. Uh, there was a four-hour window that was blocked off by the judge that ruled that uh, they would rule in sh- he would rule in short order, I believe was the, the comment made, on a preliminary injunction for uh, the state of Tennessee, the Commonwealth of Virginia, against the NCAA when it comes to NIL uh, and uh, the, the ability to uh, pay players through collectives, um, not through the university. We'll get the latest on the, the language and what was said a- after the hearing uh, from Trey, who attended that um, earlier today in the state of, uh, of Tennessee. Um, did you the, the story now at outkick.com, Taylor Swift apparently had Kanye kicked out of the Super Bowl. This is according to Brandon Marshall, a former NFL wide receiver, um, who said that Kanye was in Katy Perry's suite, and uh, that was directly beside Taylor Swift's Sweet. And, of course, this goes back to, what, the Grammys, I believe, with the little spat there on the taking over the mic or whatever. Yeah. But the, according to Brandon Marshall, and he's got a, uh, Kanye had a mask on with his logo on the mask. He said, typical Kanye. Taylor Swift gets pissed off, and she, she makes a call or two. Everybody's involved. He gets kicked out of the stadium. Not just kicked out of the suite. Kicked out of the stadium. And the theory is that he was going to try to be on camera next to Taylor based on the positioning of where he was for the Super Bowl? I have no doubt that Taylor Swift has a ton of pool and that what Taylor Swift wants, she typically gets. With the airport space. I also have no idea how Taylor Swift was allowed to kick Kanye West out of the Super Bowl when he was a guest in Katy Perry's suite with a valid ticket in the game, unless he was doing something crazy. And that, that is possible, but unless he was acting a fool, and we're going to show you the mask he had on at the game, which is, first off, I don't think someone should be allowed to go in the Super Bowl wearing a mask that looks like this because it's frightening. But regardless, if they allowed him in the gates to the Super Bowl wearing that mask, it should not be Taylor Swift, the one that's allowed to decide his fate on whether or not he gets to sit in that suite. And also... The only way that he's going to get next to Taylor Swift, if Taylor Swift wants to be away from him, we've all seen how these suites operate, unless he jumps over a barrier and runs up to her in her suite, is go to the other area away from him. Unless you're right on the railing, he's not just going to pop into a photo and be right there next to you and photo bomb you. This is incredibly, I, I need to hear Taylor's version of the story, right? Taylor's version, need to hear it. But if this is true, this is ludicrous. And not the halftime performance by ludicrous. Yeah. Ludicrous that this was allowed for Taylor Swift to be able to do this. It's crazy. And she, uh, he also chose the, the Katy Perry uh, area for that. Bought a ticket. So you'd be shown there too. Um, and yeah. also, can anyone just have the money to buy a ticket in Katy Perry's suite? Well, it's right or doesn't in front. Katy was, Perry have was, to invite you? He was sitting you? in the seat directly in front of Katy Perry's suite. Is the one he, put, he picked out. I wonder if he thought that was Taylor Swift. 
I, I don't know. I, I don't know how Taylor Swift he would was ha- allowed to do well, that. Well, he would have to have done something He's more done than just something sit there. He's done something or said something. To get something happened out. to get kicked out. I, kicked I would out hope. Kicked out the stadium, though. But not, not just that. Well, that Taylor's pe- uh, team needs to leak this to the media so we get her version of it before I jump to too many conclusions. But if it's just Taylor Swift didn't like the idea of Kanye West possibly jumping into a photo, yeah. then that's crazy that she what? wielded that much power to get him kicked out of the well, stadium. Well, think about how much power she has to get uh, a, a, a airplane space at an airport that's maxed out. Parking space, which you can't have more than a certain number. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me as much as at this. At both airports. It was already booked. Because Kanye West is also a superstar celebrity. So that's, I mean, that's a big time move from Taylor Swift. Yeah, uh, she gets what she wants. CBS, that's why they're not going to mention Kelsey bumping into uh, Andy Reid. Can't piss off the Swifties, Chad. Tony Romo could have been removed from the booth if Taylor Swift wanted it during the game. Romo out, Olsen in. That's uh, courtesy of Taylor Swift. That's you think what Kanye she's ordering. gets his money back? I doubt it. It's pretty Again, thing. if he was acting a fool, I, I don't. I don't know. He would have to be. right? Moving on. I don't know. He would have to be. Uh, it's time to uh, crank up the bus. We don't fly anywhere. We drive with Davey Hudson. That we do, Hud. Our first stop. You guys talked yesterday about the NFL International commercial where they went to Ghana. Yes. And we've had conversations. We know that. Roger Goodell, Hud, I think it's been one of your bigger takes, is that by the time it's all said and done, his run as commissioner, he's wanting to have this global stage. We've seen the NFL expand to where next year they're going to be in Spain, they're also going to be in Brazil, but the NFL will have a regular season game in Africa within the next five years. Next five years, I'm on the bus with this. Um, Regular season, though, no. Uh, preseason game, yes. You've already got the the accounts, NFL Africa on uh, X, on Instagram, and, and other places, I'm sure. They are already investing in spreading the game in Kenya. Uh, the answer is yes, and they won't be the only pro sports league. UFC will be there too, um, but the NFL will be there. I don't know if it's a regular season game or not. Preseason, I could absolutely see it. Yeah, their Super Bowl commercial was in Accra, Ghana. Uh, this past Sunday. So I think that's a clear sign that they are going to do something in Africa at some point. This will really test the metal of the NFL, though, because to do this, it's not a huge financial boom for them. And usually they let money dictate all their decisions. This is truly giving back because they have African superstars in the league. And Africa has become a fertile ground for NFL players also. So they have the developmental academy there. But it's not like you're going to Africa to get into a market to make you a ton of money like they do in Europe or Brazil or Mexico even, right? So, hey, let's test it, NFL. You really interested in giving back and spreading the game everywhere regardless of how much money it makes you? Prove it. Go play a regular season game in Africa at some point or preseason. Um, I'd like to see that happen. And, yes, I'm on the bus. I think it will happen in the next five years. I agree with you guys. So heading from the NFL corporate offices in New York, we're going to go out to Kansas City, Missouri. I'm sure the Chiefs are in the process of planning their Super Bowl parade, but next year the Kansas City Chiefs will three-peat as Super Bowl champions. I'm off the bus um, because the odds are with me here. It's extremely difficult to go back-to-back. No one's ever done the three-peat, even the last team that went back-to-back, Tom Brady's New England Patriots. Off the bus with this, not because they they can't go win a title, just because the the teams that could go win a title again didn't. So give me another franchise other than Kansas City to win in 2025. I I said I'm not gonna not gonna bet against Mahomes again. I'm gonna stick with it. They should be the odds-on favorite and not the 49ers to to win it again. I'm on the bus. I'm not going to go against them. I don't really believe it. Hutton's right. Mathematically, the odds are in the favor of picking anyone else but the Chiefs to three-peat. I even think back to that Cowboys team winning in 92-93. Then the 49ers tripped them up. They went in 94. Then they went again in 95. And there was an interruption there for that one year in that Cowboys 90s dynasty. I think odds are they don't win it, but I'm going to stick to my word and say I'm not betting against Kelsey, Mahomes, Andy Reid again, and I'm not going to bet against them next year. They're your Super Bowl champions. They're going to three-peat. I think they'll even have a better receiving core next season if you look at Rasheed Rice going into year two. They're going to get Kadarius Toney off the team. I know he didn't play. They'll draft a receiver in the first round, likely. Yeah, 
and he'll probably end up being a stud. So I'm actually leaning towards, uh, I'm on the bus for that one, but guys, Super Bowl, great time out in Vegas. Next year, as we mentioned, we're heading down to New Orleans, and next year's Super Bowl ratings will top that of Super Bowl 58. I'm on the bus. I mean, I think that the NFL is only going to get more and more popular. It's really the one sport that just continues to grow. There's no sign of deterioration whatsoever. So I, I think it's going to be even bigger next year. Going to be tough. Going to be tough with the spectacle of Vegas and Taylor Swift and everything else. Uh, interested to see what the halftime performance is going to be in New Orleans next year also. But I'm on the bus. I think they get slightly more next year. So uh, I'm on the bus with this too because of what just happened in the joint streaming venture between uh, what Time Warner, Fox, and ESPN. Yep. Fox has the Super Bowl next. They're next up. They want to get this launched and in place by the end of this year, right? Yeah. They'll be ready to go because Fox has the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm on the bus. I, I read it as it'll be ready by football season. It just said later this year they'll have it ready, and I'm thinking it'll be ready by 2024 start of football season. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how they roll this out because time is of the essence. They have countdown clocks in every building, Chad, leading up to the Super Bowl. Remember this? Fox yeah. Sports? Countdown clock is on for this partnership because that will be the, that will bring a bigger audience than what we saw from Paramount Plus. Guys, we're going to head up to Indianapolis, which is where the Big Ten Championship takes place every year. With conference realignment happening the way it is, we are going to have the new look Big Ten, and a former Pac-12 team will win the Big Ten Championship within the next five years. I'm on the bus. Give me Oregon. Dan Lanning. If you have Dan Lanning, you're going to win. Um, there's a handful of coaches that I really buy into on that. Uh, he decided to turn down Alabama because he can do it at Oregon. Oregon's going to win in the next five years. I'm with Hutton. I am on the bus. It's not going to be UCLA. I'll tell you that much. They will not be the one that's going to win it. And I, if I had got a pick, it is Dan Lanning and Oregon that will win within the next five years. Although, what Ohio State's doing in NIL and uh, with their coaching staff, going to be tough to beat, but there's going to be a, a transition. There's going to be a down downturn, I think, from both USC and Oregon. I'm putting them, even though Washington was in the national championship game, putting them as the most likely to succeed quickly in the Big Ten. But I do think Oregon will get it done. Not in the first couple of years, but within five, yeah, I'm on the bus. It's always interesting to see. You look back at when the SEC added Missouri and Texas A&M. Missouri made the championship game for the first two years. First two years, and yeah. Uh, they weren't Gary over, Pinkle. Yep, to get over, get over the hump. Actually, I think he's going to be on the college football playoff committee, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Is he? Yeah. And, but you also look at it like when Nebraska left the Big 12, they're like, hey, we'll, we'll be able to do some damage. And it has been a, Chad, as you well know, been a rough go at it for the Corn Huskers. But guys, finally, we'll get back to the NFL on this one. We're going out to San Francisco. But Kyle Shanahan will eventually win a Super Bowl as a head coach. I'm on the bus. Yeah. I'm on the bus. Dude gets there. Find me a coach that gets there uh, other than Andy Reid like this. Uh, he's been the head coach since 2017, and we've seen him coaching too. Um, yeah. Uh, Shanahan's going to be back playing in this game, uh, or excuse me, coaching in this game. Uh, he's going to win. He's going to win. It's, it, eventually, the odds are with you that you're going to win, and eventually he's going to have uh, uh, Brock Purdy or, or someone else that is better that's going to get him over the hump. Yeah, I'm on the bus. He's going to make it happen. Marv Levy, I would have said the same about when he got there, but Shanahan's got a little bit more time on his side than when Marv Levy started making the Super Bowl for those four straight years. Um, bad things can happen. You can be snake bit at times, and he feels that way right now. But because he's been so consistently good at getting there and getting to NFC Championship games and all that, He's eventually going to break through, whether it be with the 49ers or someone else. That's our tour. The tour ends. Um, I believe it was at Greenville where this uh, hearing took place. Yep. Trey Wallace uh, was in Greenville for the uh, federal judge who said he's going to uh, rule soon on uh, the injunction uh, that we're, the state of Tennessee is looking for in regards to the NCAA. Details on that from a firsthand account. Trey was there for Outkick. That's next right here on Hotline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sixth and Peabody, our location with e Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us at Outkick.com for Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Trey Wallace joins us from Outkick. He was in Greenville. Greenville, Tennessee, the site of the hearing that took place today uh, where a federal judge says uh, that they will be ruling in short order on a, a temporary in, uh, an injunction uh, that's taking place in regards to state of Tennessee and the Commonwealth of Virginia against the NCAA. Trey uh, has the very latest. Good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to be on with you guys. It was uh, it's been a crazy twenty four hours, and got to got to sit in on a federal hearing this morning and, and listen to a couple of arguments. So it was uh, it was entertaining, especially when I rolled up to the courthouse today. So let's. Uh, I heard there was a big power T flag flying from a crane or something at the, on site. Um, uh, the preliminary injunction that they're seeking. What are both yeah. sides arguing here? Okay, break it down into easiest terms is yep. the NCAA feels like that there's no problem at the moment when it comes to NIL in a sense of that player, like players can't speak to coaches about NIL. Players can't get a um, uh, uh, a guesstimate of how much they're making or going to make it a particular school, meaning that you know, these collectives want to be able to say, Hey, we're offering you 400 K to come here. And we want to have that conversation. And a coach wants to have that conversation and we want to lay that out. So, you know, so then let's just say Ohio state comes in yeah. going after the same player LSU is going after and, and Ohio state comes out and says, no, we're going to give you 500. And then you get into a bidding war. So pretty much what is happening is, the NIL folks want to be able to have conversations with these kids. And let's first off, let's not act like this isn't already happening. Okay. But sure. they want it to happen out in the open and they want to be able to have these conversations, be able to literally break these numbers down and be able to tell them, Hey, you're going to make this much here. Here's where the NCAA's problem is. The NCAA's problem is that they don't feel like that the rules they established back in 2021 when this all started, and then they regurgitated some new rules in 22, 23, they feel like those rules still make sense and they don't have reputable harm on what the players are making or going to potentially make. So that's the argument that we saw from both sides today. And, and we're gonna, I know we're going to talk about more, but that that was kind of the jump point of where we where we started this morning was hey look like the NCAA is saying I don't think the stuff we did in the past and have been doing is really that bad so let's keep it where it is we had the NIL folks state of Tennessee Virginia come back and say look you're you're telling these folks that we don't have an open market you know this is not capitalism this is not being able to say okay let's leverage one side against the other and truly get what you think you deserve as as a as a prospect. So that's where we're at, and that's where we started this morning. Then it kind of went off the wild train there for a while. So there's a human element to this, right? In any courtroom drama that you watch, you, you'll see it. There's a yeah. likability factor with each attorney. There's an ability to clearly process information, communicate, convey it to either a jury or a judge. I, I'm asking you your opinion on this. Who came across as more credible and likable? The AGs for Tennessee and Virginia or the highly paid attorneys – that I'm sure are very good, the highly paid attorney team for the NCAA. Let me say this. The NCAA attorney is, is excellent at his job and knows how to make an argument for the case that the NCAA is currently in all over the country. He's probably repeated the same words that he said today in a courtroom uh, five different times in the last year. But I will say Cam Norris, who was presenting – Tennessee and Virginia's case today. I thought he did a great job of especially the rebuttal part. When the NCAA came up and tried to make their case for this and the judge went back and forth to the NCAA, there were a couple points that were being made. And he, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the end of it real quick. Yep. 
He said to the judge, if this were if this were the NCAA tournament, do you think the NCAA would negotiate with television networks and not know what the value of that contract is? And right then, you honestly could have dropped a microphone in the courtroom and he'd have walked out. I think that he did a, a fantastic job of how he presented it, laying out the different narrative surrounding NIL right now. He brought, look, he brought up Carson Beck uh, uh, buying a Lamborghini, which he didn't buy a Lamborghini, but whatever. He brought up Bryce Young. He brought up Ronnie James. He brought up a number of different athletes when it comes to analytics too. And, and they were making the point, you know, and the judge, here's the thing that was interesting to me, Chad. The judge also was asking questions at the same time. So one of the lawyers would speak for about three or four minutes. The judge would ask two or three questions. They would have to answer them, come back. So it was it was really a, a, a formal hearing that I thought that everything was laid out pretty well until the till the judge asked uh, the, the NCAA lawyer about what happens when it comes to leverage? And and I think that's where the NCAA really fumbled this thing um, towards the end of it. And really, I don't want to say screwed up their argument, but I will say it did not help them one bit that they could not answer the question on what is the difference between a player not being able to talk to a collective about money and, and what they would be able to make compared to when a player is discussing collective money, NIL, what's the difference between the laws that the NCAA has right now that are legal, where you can discuss the out the parameters of NIL, compared to discussing what a player could actually make if he signed with a school? And that's where the NCAA attorney was befuddled. He came back. He did not have an answer. He tried to circle it for about two minutes, and that's when... I kind of knew, I think this thing's going in the, 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 the NIL direction here in the state of Tennessee and Virginia, because that question is the biggest one out of all of this, Chad. And, and I think he fumbled it. Yeah. And, and one thing I want to ask you about in reading your piece on this, Trey, did the NCAA's attorney argue something about uh, when asked, you know, well, how do they know their value unless they talk to someone about what their value is for that school? And they said, oh, well, there's outlets out there. And I think you've referenced the on three valuation of this. Was, like that's a legally binding contract for everyone because they say you're worth this. Every school is going to pay you this exact dollar amount of your valuation. That is a strange argument if that's the one that was made. So it was, it was it was it was brought up by the fact of the judge, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just read a quote real quick. He said they are not being able to use their leverage before signing. That was a question to the NCAA attorney, and then he said, "How are these how are these athletes supposed to be? You know, how are you supposed to know your value?" Well, then the NCAA comes back and says, "Well, you know, there's websites out there that these players can go get their valuations from. I don't I don't think there's much harm being done when it comes to being in the dark about the money." And right then, I was like, wait a minute. This NCAA attorney is basing what NIL and athletes and their valuations are off a website like On3 and whoever else does it, which let's be honest with each other. These On3 valuations, I mean, they're, they're good, okay, but they're not down to the scientific fact of how much a kid can make. And I think... The fact that the NCAA attorney decided, you know what, I'm going to really get them with that one. I'm going to say these websites are how we're negotiating and how we're figuring out how much these players make. It was it was such a bad argument um, that I looked around at a couple of different reporters that were in the room, and we kind of just chuckled at each other um, as I looked back at somebody from On3 and gave them a big thumbs up for their big, you know, there you go moment. So it was it was just wild, and, and some of the, the interesting – you know, quotes that, that, that come out of this, that, you know, one of the biggest things too, is the state of Tennessee pretty much got up there on the, on the stand and said, okay, well, this also affects the Tennessee investigation when it comes to NIL that's ongoing. There's two separate things here. The NCAA is investigating Tennessee. There's NIL. He got up there and said, you know what? The NCAA has been leaking information, you know, for, for the last two weeks on this investigation and whatnot, and it's not helping our case when it comes to this lawsuit and NIL. 
Then the NCAA attorney gets up there and says, yeah, I don't know where you're getting your information from. We have never leaked information or evidence pertaining to an wow. NCAA investigation. I about lost it in the court. Strong words right there from him. I really wanted to start laughing, but I did not want to get kicked out. Um, so strong words from that NCAA attorney who was just kind of making that one up as he goes. Well, didn't, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Charlie Baker actually admitted to helping out the Big Ten investigation, what they're not supposed to do. Because yes. of, yeah, I mean, yes. he's, he's he, that was literally like two months ago whenever he had that quote. Uh, Trey, did you hear from the Commonwealth of Virginia in this? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I'm, I'm just being honest with you. Yeah, not really. They're, they're just riding was, shotguns. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're <laughs> now to the Commonwealth. You know what? Yeah. You know what? You know what? I, we rest, Your Honor. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> this guy did a great job, didn't he? Great job. Good job, this guy from Tennessee. He had some the good points. Of, the state of Tennessee reached out across the state lines and said, hey, will you please shake our hand on this lawsuit? We don't need you to really say anything when we get in here. We just need to have your name added to this. So, no, the state of Virginia didn't say anything. Were it there, was just Cam Norris. Were there more uh, people there to attend or more police officers for security? Oh, wow. Okay, so, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff was wild to me, guys. Like, I, I rolled up to the court, and, you know, the media had to get there a little early, and uh, so did the public if they wanted to. I, I spotted two <laughs> Tennessee fans uh, that were there with hats, and then I'm sitting there next to a good buddy, Adam Sparks, and, yep. and we're waiting to go in, and um, I take the pictures and whatnot of the, the, the boom with the Tennessee flag, and all of a sudden, I look to my right, and I ask this gentleman, I said, you know, there's a lot of police officers here. And he goes, yeah, we brought in 26 extra police officers for today. And I looked around. I was like, for what? There's nobody here. And I was like, yeah, you know, we were expecting a big crowd to show up. And uh, yeah, it looks like they're going to be able to go home early. So I mean, it's Greenville. There's not, probably not a lot going on. I think those right. cops are okay. And they probably volunteer like, hey, I'll, I'll come in and take a shift and Absolutely. go over this hearing and support my balls. And, and when <laughs> I, right and I rolled and when I rolled up, um, when I rolled up to the, the courthouse this morning, the, the interesting part of it all was uh, the, the, the gentleman who funded, I guess, the hanging of the flag, the Tennessee flag, was John Compton. Uh, somebody Tennessee fans probably know when it comes oh. to, to boosters and donors and whatnot. Um, but he was the oh, one that CFL paid money. for it. <laughs> yeah, he, he was the one no, that paid for it. we won't go. Hell no. I want the, a full protesters out front of the courthouse uh, the next time they have a hearing. So short order, Trey, it <laughs> yeah. could mean tomorrow, could mean what, two, three weeks? We, we should have something from the judge? I'm not going to lie. I just refreshed the page here about five minutes ago before I came on with you guys. I mean, th this thing could come down like that. And, and it's going to be, you know, the attorneys will find out um, and then it'll be uploaded into the docket onto the sheet. But this thing, look, this thing could be done tonight. It could be done by Friday. It could be done a week from today. But I think I think this judge knows which way he wants to rule. I'm not trying to put words in his mouth, but the questions he was asking today and, and the arguments made by both sides, I think um, this comes down to, to the states ending up winning this. Now, it's only a preliminary injunction. So even the judge asked, hey, look, like, what are you guys, what's your timeline? Like, are you guys ready to go into discovery and start depositions? And both of them were like, nah, we'll kind of wait on what you say with the preliminary injunction before we go forward. So I, I think what's going to happen, guys, is if the judge rules in favor of the, the states, I think that you will see uh, the NCAA kind of back off, try to reconfigure the rules when it comes to NIL and, and how to go forward. If the states lose, I think the University of Tennessee might be in a bigger problem because a lot of that investigation into their NIL practices and, and, and you know, with Nico and whatnot, we could go on. It hinges on this lawsuit verdict, this this preliminary injunction hearing, because if, if the states win, I'm going to try to simplify this for you. Tennessee's being investigated, the school, the athletic department, for breaking NIL rules in the past. If they win this injunction, the state of Tennessee, pretty much that's going to tell the NCAA, hey, you're not going to be able to go back retroactively, do anything. You should probably stop and not send Tennessee a notice of allegations. So there's a lot riding on this. And by the way, uh, one of the best things that came out of this today 
was when one of the 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 state attorney for uh, Tennessee came out and said, "You guys have been after the Gators. The Vols are on the chopping block." And it's like, okay, he's really setting this thing up when it comes to uh, who's being investigated right now and and where we go forward from here. So, uh, if 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 the judge does not rule in favor of the states here, Trey, does this amplify the likelihood that that Tennessee doesn't have their starting quarterback because he's ineligible week one. Well, let me ask the flip side of that too, because my, my follow-up was going to be this. Yeah. The NCAA has now heard from Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti that they need to stop, right? They've all but said, stop going back in the past and doing these things. We don't want that. We need Greg to come Sankey up with three rules. weeks ago. They, they focus on the bigger picture. They've heard from a, a judge who said, well, I'm not going to grant the TRO if this moves forward, you're going to lose the antitrust suit. Told the NCAA that even if they win in this temporary injunction, what are the odds the NCAA just says, let's now back away. This is a big win for us. And that now this antitrust suit can go away if we call off the dogs and say, we're going to press pause and not do anything moving forward. I, I mean, that makes too much sense for them to do. But if I'm their legal counsel, I'm advising them to do just that if the lawsuit stops at that point. It's the same judge, right? Yes. I'll say this. In talking to a number of folks about this very subject, it would be wise for the NCAA, if they get a win here, just take a small victory lap and be done with it unless you want to be caught up in court and sued by the University of Tennessee along with the collective and have this in a court system for the next three to four years. I think the NCAA needs to figure out, okay, what do we do about these other schools? I know we're going after Florida. I know we went after Florida state. There's other schools that are going to be released soon that the NCAA is going after. I don't think they want to go down that road because you're going to continue seeing lawsuits come out of this. So what's the schedule, uh, the timeline here, we just wait on uh, judge Corker to, to rule and then, I mean, win or lose, where, is there a timeline for whenever the final uh, the final case is actually on the calendar? Somewhat. not. I, I, it's not on the calendar yet, but what's going to happen is the judge is going to rule. Uh, the NIL world is going to go crazy yeah. uh, when it comes to the spring portal period. And here's the thing. they It'll be a, an injunction, but this the injunction won't be settled before they can go to court maybe right. in a year, year and a half. Because they've still got to do depositions, discovery. You guys know this about a lawsuit. Right. So this thing could end up taking a year and a half, two years from now. And during that time period, NIL will completely change. And especially the way this thing has gone about. I also wonder too, like if, and I don't think they're winning this, but if the NCAA, if the, the judge does not uh, side with the states here, does it affect other other programs? Do, do they slow, slow their roll a bit just based on... Nope. Yeah, I mean, they just keep status quo, right? It was very interesting the way the the Tennessee representative wrapped up today um, because the NCAA kept saying, hey, you know, we're working with the SEC. You know, we're working with the SEC on other NCAA legislative stuff. Tennessee state attorney or the attorney representing the state comes up there and says, "Uh, we are not working with the SEC, and God forbid if we're ever having to work with the ACC. (laughs) Great troll job, right interesting there in a, way in a, in a courtroom. In, too. Interesting way to slam his buddy who's sitting next to him that filed the same lawsuit that represents Virginia and Virginia Tech. Trey, well done, man. Great coverage today at Outkick, and uh, no, you're refreshing. Refresh it one more time while we're sitting here, just to see. Who knows if, if Judge, the federal judge uh, Corker, has, has ruled. Maybe he has. I don't have anything right before yet. the end of the day, Chad. Damn it! Couldn't break some news right here on the show. Yeah, Couldn't Trey, you're break the man. Some news. Thank you, guys. Appreciate I really you, appreciate Later. you having Later. me. We'll, we'll keep you up to date. I wonder what Compton paid for that flag and how long it's going to fly. I mean, it's a crane just, in Greenville, Tennessee. I doubt it costs him too much. I just think it's funny that John I'm Compton's sure name is on it. He probably owns every crane in that county, so he just rolled one over there for, to display the Tennessee that, uh, flag. You know, you know who did this? He gave his all today, Jonathan Compton. I, I just former quarterback. Yeah, I, I would. Um, oh, you, yeah. <laughs> You're thinking of John Crompton. Oh, Crompton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. John, John, no, I am, yeah. John Compton thought, is yeah. a uh, is a rich booster. So I thought uh, this John, was a, Jonathan the Crompton CFL paying money. for that would have been uh, amazing. The, but the other thing too is, 
the I'm, Montreal Alouettes. Jonathan Crofton. through this lens. This is a massive. This is a massive case in regards to the whole NIL space, because without without the NCAA having the backing from the federal judge level, they're already afraid of lawsuits. This opens the door for anything they're going to do. They just back off after this. They can't do anything. They've already backed off once. And they can't retroactively do anything either. They have zero control as it is. This would give them some, you know, because they would win something that no one expects them to win. But they're not going to. They're not winning this. And then then steps in Sankey and Petiti. And we see the NCAA maybe not dissolve. Maybe they keep the name and the structure. But they're not going to keep the status quo of whatever they're trying to do, which is practically nothing. It's yeah. digging at stuff that it doesn't really matter. By the way, John Compton, uh, 1983 grad of Tennessee, former president of PepsiCo. Okay, there he is. He so, is currently a partner with the investment firm Clayton, Dubillier, and Rice. Clayton is another prominent Tennessee guy that founded Clayton Homes, which is a yeah, mobile yeah. home company. So I'm pretty sure that's how he got the crane because they do a lot of construction. With Clayton Holmes, so I, I think he just made a call and they rolled a crane over there. This is with like the, the wardrobe, on. you know, uh, Vanna White's ward, uh, Vanna White's wardrobe provided. Uh, right. Well, he's on the board of trust through 2024. Also, uh, John Compton, that is. Look, the NCAA has to back down. This is so dumb if they continue going forward, even if they win this little hurdle. Everything is aligned against them. That would be an enormous win for the NCAA uh, because if yeah. it happens, they can back away. They can just say, all right, loud and clear, our membership doesn't want this. The only members that want it are Division II and Division Three schools. They don't really matter. We'll back away. We've got Greg Sankey in the SEC and Tony Petiti in the Big Ten putting their cannons pointed at us, and now we can just say we're not going to do anything moving forward. And the lawsuit is dropped if they, in fact, what? agree to do that, right, from Tennessee and Virginia. Yeah. But if they don't win it, then – Tennessee and Virginia can continue, and it's going to be even more costly and damaging for the NCAA because they might likely lose an antitrust lawsuit. So, so I, I know that the, the the issues are a bit different, but what does it do for their their wanting to punish Florida for pay for play? Didn't Florida already just accept the penalty? I know Florida State but, did. Florida but, State got an assistant well, coach suspended for a game. Yes, and but I'm saying like if you if you even if you accept the penalty. But if you see that this didn't work, if it oh, just they, takes the state I mean, to I, I file think a lawsuit. That, I think that if I'm Florida State, I just go ahead and say, so we're good not to honor this, anything. right? We're good not to honor it? I mean, I honestly think that everyone that was involved in NIL, if they've done anything in I the mean, last three months, should just say it doesn't matter and we're not going to follow this penalty. And the NCAA should honor it and say, yeah, you're right. And back away. I mean, especially after saying that Michigan won it fair and square. From the president. Again, apples and oranges because we're talking about an illegal scouting deal and, and, and NIL. These are different things legally. But the NCAA should cool it on all NIL issues yeah. because they are wading into antitrust waters they cannot swim out of in this one. And we know why. When we're talking about we're competitive here. advantage and rules when it comes to that, that's, that's different. And they didn't even step in for that. Then legal money-making rights for individuals that have been ruled on by the Supreme Court of the United States of America. That's where they're venturing in right now. Which they're, they're, they're afraid of the, the lawsuit and the money there based on what we've seen. And yet, they're, here we go again. Here we go again. I, I, if, if they somehow win this part of it, silence. Back away. Very simple. Back away. Call off the dogs. Tennessee, you're not under investigation. Florida, forget about it. Florida State coach, coach that first game. No penalties. We'll let Charlie Baker and Greg Sankey and Tony Petiti get back with you on a rule book that everyone understands moving forward. That's what they should do. Now, what the NCAA should do and what they do have long been two completely different things. So my guess is they'll probably continue to fight it, and this thing will go up from one court to the next to the next until they eventually lose the Sherman antitrust lawsuit. And if they lose, they're just going to go to uh, the, the Capitol Hill again and say, we need your help even more. We, we, we can't do anything to police this. We can't, we can't put up guardrails. We need uh, legislation. They're, here we go again. Well, and, and my response on Capitol Hill is there is legislation. They've ruled against you. The legislation has ruled these players can do whatever they want. Now, if you want to get a structure in place that allows them to make money and shop on the open market well, within a rules system with a CBA or what, 
then do that, but, but stop no, bothering but us. But the, there is no structure state to state there, when it comes to what you can and can't do. That, that's where that they want legislation stepped in. And that's where the collectors, by the way, are okay with some type of legislation. Yeah, well, good luck. As long as you know, there's actually some collabor- there's a collaborative effort there. And still, I don't know who's speaking on behalf of the player in all this. Yeah, I mean, no one. Virginia and Tennessee right now are speaking on behalf of the player. That, that's their representative in this. Come to, uh, come to Tennessee or Virginia. Well, yeah, well, well uh, Virginia speaking, but not really. Right. But, and, and <laughs> you know, I know that Jonathan Scrimetti, who we had on the AG for Tennessee, has said, he, he put about a video and even said, or a post, and said, it's a Tennessee flag in the background. This is for every college athlete in Tennessee. He wanted yeah. to make clear, like, I'm not on behalf of the University of Tennessee. This is for the state of Tennessee's college and athletes. This, this all started perspective from athletes. his perspective about the bowl ban, right? Because he was putting together. This has been a year in the making uh, that he's been compiling all of this for this type of lawsuit. This just didn't happen overnight. Uh, maybe it did for the NCAA, which is why the case is going the way it is. That is correct. We will wait, though. We'll wait and see because, well, who knows? Because this is the same judge that didn't grant the, the, uh, the TRO. The TRO, but now it's at the injunction level. Was he referring to himself like the following week? Uh, he said, "If it continues, then you're likely to lose." I, I, I wish that this guy would just go ahead and say, "You lost." <laughs> That's no. the case. I mean, what are we doing? Well, he's even responding to. Sir, uh, you're a judge. You're a judge, right? You you could rule that right now. Okay, then go ahead and say that. Chad Ole Miss in Kentucky tonight. Kentucky could lose four straight. Four straight at home. They did beat Vandy by 32 did at they? Memorial 109-77 in the midst of this. Oof. They had not lost three straight games in Lexington since 1966, and they've lost three in a row. They are eight-and-a-half-point favorites at home tonight. I will load up on Kentucky covering eight-and-a-half at home against Ole Miss. No way will the Wildcats lose four straight in Rupp. Load up on the Blue Mist. No way. I'm loading up on Kentucky. The uh, Chiefs' Super Bowl parade is tomorrow. How uh, we don't even have to spot uh, discuss Kelsey and how drunk he'll be. Will we have a Mahomes drunken moment like Brady? Um, I'll be stunned. I think he holds his liquor better than Brady. I think Brady's diet prevents him from holding his liquor properly. Yeah, Brady could only have tequila. I think Mahomes is more of a drinker in season, so I think he'll be okay. His tolerance is high. Back at it tomorrow. Hope you'll join us Wednesday edition, four o'clock Eastern, right here at Outkick.com/slash watch.